Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode four of, of Pitch to Pub. I'm one half, I'm Sean Overton, and the other half, my colleague, Mark Carbunis. Now, he's, um, I'll pass over to Mark. He's, he's pulled one out of the bag here. He's, he's got his book of contacts out, and I'll let him introduce our, our next guest. Thanks, Sean. Um, first of all, we are definitely not colleagues. I don't think we could work with each other anyway. We're good <laughs> we mates, is what I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not now. <laughs> um, I have the pleasure of introducing a what I would call a, a bit of a football icon um, tonight. Um, and I would like to thank uh, Cal Trillo uh, of the Red House in Thirsk, who has um, been friends with this, this gent for years and years. And I would formally like to introduce ex-professional footballer, Mr. Dean Windass. Dean, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, very good. I'm, I'm disappointed it's the fourth episode. Well, I thought it'd be on the fucking first one. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I, it's, I didn't know Cal knew yet. Otherwise, I'd have been straight in and go, what's that? Old, that old chest yeah, 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 that, that one. Eh? <laughs> we, we, we were the first one, Dean. We were just waffling on, talking absolute rubbish the first one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I'll, um, I'll let Sean start with, um, with the questioning. No, no, obviously, Dean, appreciate you coming on. And uh, as Mark says, you're a bit of a kind of a, an icon and a cult hero throughout, throughout your footballing career. And you've played at some some fantastic clubs. And obviously, obviously, we start to start, really. Obviously, we're, we're Hull City and you see your passion, your team. And obviously, you, mm. you went to watch them as a young lad at, at Boothbury Park. And yeah, that, that was a proper ground, wasn't it? A proper old fashioned football ground there, wasn't it? Before it kind of got knocked down. So what, what, what were your kind of first memories as, as a young lad supporting Paul? Yeah, well, obviously, I only, I only uh, lived about, let it be about a 20-minute walk, 15-minute walk from, from my house to the to Bullfrey Park, which I used to go with my dad um, every, every, well, every home game, if he, if he could take us. I think I, was, I think I was around about five or six years old at the time, I think, and we used to sit in the... Uh, in the south stand, my dad obviously I don't know if they had season tickets in them days, mate. He just paid, I think. Yeah. But I, rem- I remember obviously, you know, walking to to the ground where all supporters, you know, you know, it'd be packed walking down uh, North Road where my school used to be. So I'd walk past my school and then and then go towards go towards Buffy Park and then walking up the turnstiles into into the seats where you probably. You know, everybody. I think it's because you just paid. You didn't have to just have that regular seat like you do nowadays. You get a season pass and you'd, you'd sit in the same seats. But my dad would sort of sit out the back, sit out the back, and and uh, have a, a, a coke and a packet of crisps or uh, a bovril. You know, cause it was always bloody freezing. So um, good old bovril. Uh, you can't you can't beat bovril in a burger. And I'm fifty one. <laughs> I'm fifty one year. I'm fifty one year old now. And when I go watch old Joshua, watch old Jordan. The first thing I do is get a bovril and a burger. How sad is that, by the way? <laughs> was that before the game kicks off? <laughs> before the game, yeah, before the game. But trouble is, it's a little bit different now because yeah. obviously when I'm stood in the queue, when when Josh signed for Accrington Stanley and and I, and I was stood in the queue um, at Accrington with with Jordan, his brother, because obviously my youngest lad plays for Bradford Park Avenue now, so he, yeah. he's he's playing on a Saturday, but. I can remember stood in the in the queue saying to me and Jordan like I need a burger and onions with brown sauce and a bovril. And as I was stood in this queue, this bloke came up and says, uh, "Bear in mind, I've been retired about nine years." He said, "Should should you be eating burgers, Dean?" Or like I thought, "Fucking okay, well, what don't want me to eat?" Like you know what I mean. <laughs> but I, even if even if I'd have been still playing and I've had a burger and that, you know what I mean. But listen, it was one of them situations where my dad would take me down there and. You know, listen. As a kid, you know, I always wanted to be a footballer. I was obviously a little bit different than anybody else. Even probably at the age of five or six, you know, playing in the, you know, playing in the playground or whatever. And then, you know, then growing up and playing for your school team, I was always sort of that best player where teachers sort of saw a talent in me. And so that was my dream, really, just to be a footballer. And you know. I'll, I always tell the story. I wasn't the brightest lad at school, but I did go to school. I never missed. My dad was very strict. My mum and dad were very strict, and so my my attendance was was impeccable. Really, I think I had one day off, you know, for being ill or whatever. Yeah. You know, my dad was strict. He, listen, my dad was one of them where if he was ill, 
you'd spew up and you'd say, right, you've spewed up, now you can go to fucking school. Do you know what I mean? Was, <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the discipline you need, though, as well. That, that, well that, that discipline's treat you well. Well, listen, I've got to say, football, yeah. Yeah, well, listen, you know, like now I'm never, ever late. You know, we, we, we got, as we got older and we, we become apprentice footballers, you know, that was Brian Norton's uh, pet hate was punctu- punctuality, you know, and, mm. and it lived with me right through my life, really. Even now, my mates say you're never ever late, you know, I'm always four, five minutes early. And mm. So, you know, it's one of them situations where when I got to pull through park and you, as you say, an old fashioned ground, and you know, it was just amazing that, yeah, there was probably three, three and a half thousand where I'd be watching, um, you know, Pete Skipper, Billy Whitehurst, Keith Edwards, Steve McLaren, Billy Askew. Yeah. Dennis Bove, all all these players, Frankie Bunn. So it was one of them where I just wanted to be, you know, being a local lad as well. You know, I just wanted to play, play, so play. You mentioned, mentioned Eddie, like you, you kind of the standout player at your school. Is that how you kind of got picked up on the YTS trainee scheme? Is that is that where they kind of scouted you from there, and you, you got that at home? Well, no, well, no, well, I think it, listen, there was no, as you say, there was no academies in them day, in them days. Mm. Josh and Jordan went to to because I was living in Leeds at the time, so. Later on in my career, so Josh and Jordan went to other filters academies. Yeah. So there was no academies then. It was like basically train Tuesdays and Thursdays at Hull City at that in the um, in City's gym where it was a big massive wooden gym, um, and we trained on the Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, at the age of say twelve, thirteen, and then they asked you to go on like schoolboy forms, and my dad didn't really want me to sign schoolboy forms because. He said to me that other clubs were watching me. My dad didn't have a clue. He was working for fucking Tetley's, by the way. He didn't know nothing about football. <laughs> so he was saying, no, he was saying, but, you know, as a kid, you just want to sign for a football club, don't you? And, yeah. And I, 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 to be fair, the only, the only reason why you, they, they made you sign them so nobody else could take, snap you up, really. Yeah. Um, but at the age of, at the age of, as you say, coming to the age of, you know, 13, 14, 15, I was playing for whole boys, you know, I was, you know, regular playing. So you got picked out from your school team, really. Yeah. And, you know, at the age of 16, I got, I got a phone call saying that I'd not been accepted as a YTS. Uh, the really? Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I was gutted. Um, I remember, I think there were 12, 12 apprentices um, and, and Brian Orton apparently just said, look, you know, we, we only need 12, you know, this, this, cause I was a little lad. I was a very late developer and I was about nine, nine stone when I was 16 year old, I was like a little, little boy. I was just like well, physicality. I didn't have, but all the ability in the world and great football brain. And, but, but then it was Dave King who, who sadly passed away a few years ago. It was Dave King, you know, sort of reassured Brian saying, look, you need to set this lad on. You know, yes, he's, he's he's a scrawny little kid, but he's got all the ability in the world. And I got the phone call probably two or three days from Dave saying they've accepted you. And you know, God, I couldn't believe it. And because you went to North, did you go to North Therapy and a bit? Of, well, bit that of was that was that was later on. That was obviously when I got released at the age of eighteen. But I did the two years apprenticeship. Um, yeah. You know, with all the all the local lads. You know, Neil Buckley, Mike Smith, um, Gav Kelly, Lee Jenkinson. Uh-huh. Um, Andy Payton, you know, players like that. Andy was a year older than us, so he was the second yeah. year apprentice. But yeah, at eighteen, then obviously did the two year, did the two year apprenticeship and um, lived the dream. Really, you know, yes, I was the boatman. I, I'd be, everybody had different jobs, you know. And I, can I, I, can I, just, I ask you sorry, Dean? Yeah. Ask a, a question. Yeah. I've heard rumours that there was there was kind of if you kind of mess with the the first team in them days that. To be a bit of a weird punishment for you, yeah, and that punishment I'd get every fucking day. Yeah, it was just <laughs> well, well, where it was, but listen, they had that respect, you know. And even now, even when I become a professional footballer at, at Middlesbrough and probably at, at another few clubs, that you had to knock on the door to go in the first team change room, you had to earn the right to go and yeah. sit in or stand in that change room. But because I was, because there was only there were two kit men and there was me as a boatman, but I had to do all the boats. So I did the first team boots and then I did the training boots. And they used to have pimples then to go in the gym as well. So I was like tra- cleaning trainers, uh, rubbers, obviously training boots and match boots. So yes. I was, there was me and there was uh, Matt Richardson and a lad called Mike Barrett who was doing the kit. We was the only three who was allowed just to walk in without knocking because yeah. obviously we had to give the boots, put them under the pegs 
the Rico and, and Mike had to put the kit on the on the on the pegs. So we was the only three that was allowed. The other ones they had to they have to knock. Yeah. But to be quite honest with you, I was a bit of a cheeky get me. I was I was a very <laughs> confident kid and so you imagine um me walking in and uh, you know, I'm putting the boots out and a and a, and a pro's reading the, the paper and I'm like sat next to him looking over his shoulder reading this paper, like, you know, and they're going, What the fuck are you doing? What are you doing in a cheeky little bastard? You know what I mean? I'd go, Oh fuck off, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then so what they do, they they'd all I won't mention any names because it's unfair, but they know you won't get away with it now. Um, <laughs> no. But they 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 just they just pin they just get you on the treatment table. Now bear in mind I was I was I was a short ass, I was like you know, I was really light. I was really little. So basically, you know, I was a, I was associated. You know, when you got your kids and you and you lift their legs up and you put your nappy under the bum. Well, that's yeah, what yeah. I that's what I used to get. So what they do, they they bag me. So that would they'd, they'd pull all my training gear off. <laughs> then they get the dubbing brush for the dubbing, and then just just whack dubbing all over my bollocks and up my ass <laughs> and that and. And I, I always remember this. So they get me on the treatment table. They pull my legs over my fucking head. They black me bollocks and get. And then they go, "Get out, you!" Che- they say, "Get out, you cheeky bastard!" Now bear in mind, I didn't have any pubes and my balls on top. So, so, but Brian Norton, Denny, Brian Norton, Dennis Move, and Tom Wilson. Who was the out? Tom Wilson was our youth team coach. Brian was the manager. Dennis was the assistant. Plus the Jeff Radcliffe was the physio. They'd get changed in the referees room. Now the referees room was like right near where you come out on, on match day on the tunnel. Yeah. So you'd have to walk. So the long <laughs> the long corridor was opposite. So the away team dressing dress room was our dressing room. That's where the kids used to get trained, changed in the in the first team. And so I'd walk by. Obviously, we now on with with dubbing all over me <laughs> over my body, and Brian Orton would see me walk by and he'd go, "Being fucking cheeky again, have you?" <laughs> <laughs> Almost like they were expecting it, Dean. Oh God, I was expecting it any other day, anyway. So it made it, in the end, I think I ended up just fucking taking my jeans off and uh, my shorts off and just fucking laying on the bed at one point. You know, I think handing them, handing them the dubbing and go, just get it just, out of the way. Just crack, just crack on, lads. Yeah, just crack on. <laughs> but the get, but the funny thing is, is that they get, they get other lads who were like quite shy, and that was quite that would be fucking funny. Do you know what I mean? They'd be like, yeah. oh, pan- panicking. But I think. They got bored of me now. You know what I mean. They got bored of me doing <laughs> doing it every day. So they thought, well, we need to pick on somebody else now. But listen, <laughs> uh, you know the one thing about it was that them players who you know were associated with, who were cleaning the boats with, you know, Pete Skipper. God bless him, just passed away. It was a you know because we, me and Pete Skipper, obviously since last year, we used to run the X Tigers, so we play for uh, X Tigers. So like me, uh-huh. yeah. Pete Skipper used to run it, and. You know, obviously Andy Savile plays in the team out to clean his boots. So like yeah. as you say, big Billy White ass, but they don't play. But they all become like now I'm now with me as a fifty one year old, Billy White is my mate, you know, Pete Skipper's my best mate, you know, Andy yeah. Savile's my mate. So me cleaning all them boots, because he said to Pete Skipper once, he, he was the first ever um footballer to present me with a medal, my first ever medal. And Skip never remembered that. I used to say, "Can you remember when you said you, you were presenting me with the fact?" He went, "No, but I couldn't associate that now because I've presented medals to that many kids. That if a kid come up to me now and said you were presenting me my first medal, I wouldn't have a fucking clue. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> but that, yeah. that, that, they all just becoming mates, really. You know, to to actually watch them, and then obviously then you know to be become a footballer myself, and then they become my friends was was something special, really. Yeah, fantastic. You know, after after kind of your first stint at Hull, you went north of the border mm. up to up to Aberdeen. How how kind of how was the transition moving from obviously your hometown and then moving pretty much to the other end of the country up to yeah. Aberdeen? Was that an easy, an easy enough transition, or did it was it did they make you feel welcome up there? Well, it was uh, at the end of the day, mate. It was there wasn't it wasn't a choice. It was not a choice. Yeah. It wasn't like in them days where you could make a choice. You know, I was on I was on six hundred pound a week. At Hull, which was the top earner, yeah. I'd signed an extra. Yeah. I'd signed an extra two-year contract anyway when I'd signed pro at the age of twenty, and then um, obviously Hull City at the time, they, they were they were in debts. There was two hundred and fifty yeah. grand debts, and um, Martin O'Neill came in from me from, uh, from Norwich, 
Uh, I've been obviously playing really well at the time, a lot of interest from other clubs. and But Hull City needed the money up front to pay the debts. And uh, Robert Chase, the, the chairman of, of Norwich at the time, didn't want to pay the money up front. So yeah. Hull City sort of said, well, no, you, you're not going then. Basically, we need the money. So I can remember because I was obviously mar- just got married at the time and Josh was two years old and Terry Dolan, it was December time, so Terry Dolan said, there was my manager said, look, put your house up for sale because it won't be long before you go. And then wow. Norwich came, yeah, Norwich came in for me and I actually agreed. At, uh, um, I think I paid 48 grand for my house and the squad who wanted to buy my house and uh, he said, I only can offer 46 and I went, oh, I'll take it because I know that I'll get me a couple of grand back from what other club I go back to, do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So when, yeah. I, when I'd sold my house, I think it was the 2nd of December I'd sold my house, and I've got a two-year-old kid, and the deal falls through, I'm going oh, to tell you all, fucking hell, if I've, I've just sold my house, I've got a kid. If, if I don't move in December, I'm not going to have an house, do you know what I mean? It was near wow. Christmas. Yeah, and then, and then, not, you know, and then I got a phone call about two weeks later, Thursday night, Terry rings me in, Said we've agreed a fee with Aberdeen. Basically, there was no, you know, there was no negotiations. It was like you're getting yeah. this, you're getting that. Three year contract. Terry came down with me and, and basically said they've offered seven hundred and fifty. You, you know, we're getting six hundred up front. Um, you can't really, you know, you can't really turn it down because this club might fucking close down. So yeah. it was just, listen. It was very scary being a young. I was only twenty four. I've got a little boy yeah. and. Yeah, obviously, I've only been married about say two, two years, three years, and it was yeah, it was quite daunting. But I was a confident kid. I was very confident. I was, you know, I, I never, never struggled with that. And but to go and play against the Gascoins and the Loudrups and the Canios and yeah. players players like that, you know, from Division Two in England to Scottish Premier League, which was a very good Premier League in them days. That was that was that was when it was stellar, wasn't it? When like you say, you Gazers, you, your Loudrups, yeah. Um, Decanios, Van Hoydon, yeah, Larson, yeah, yeah, Andres, Tom, you know, Tom Boyd, all these, you know, but then Hearts were decent, Hibs were decent, Um, St. Johnson was probably the poor one, Ray Throwers there, there was only in one year, so it was quite competitive, and we was always third, you know what I mean, and Aberdeen had just won the Coca-Cola Cup the week before that I signed, so there was on the there was on the high. They beat Dundee in the in the in the Coca Cola Cup, and then the Sam made the week later, and 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 obviously Roy Roy Aitken said to me, I'm I'm sort of playing you as a as a he called it the link man. They call it number ten now. Yeah. And said I want yeah. you I want you to play behind either Duncan Shearer, Scott Bull, or Billy Dodds. So I never thought I'd play. I I, I, well, I knew I'd play eventually, but I never thought I'd get straight in. And I remember signing on the Friday. We played. Party Fissile on the Saturday, so I stayed over. Terry came to the game, and my brother in law was actually getting married on the Saturday night. So I said, Can I go back after the game to my brother in law's wedding? I couldn't go to the day, do but I went to the night. I actually went to the night door in my fucking track, too. You know, just... <laughs> so we flew, we flew, we f... no, no, Terry drove from Glasgow. So, but I was I was on the bench for pa- Party Fissile. And Stuart McKimmy, who was captain of Scotland at the time, he was our captain of Aberdeen. He got sent off after about 20 minutes. And um, it was so strange because it was nil-nil and Patrick Fissel was like one of the low teams in the division at the time and Aberdeen were third, just won the Coca-Cola Cup. And all of a sudden, I start, you had to warm up behind the goal at, uh, in Scotland. Couldn't warm up on the side. So fitness coach Stuart Hogg said, right, you know, Roy must have said he's going on in a minute. And I can remember warming up and all I can remember was this, the Aberdeen fans shouting, Dino, Dino. And I thought, <laughs> fucking hell, I've not even kicked a ball yet. And they're shouting my fucking name. And, and I just sort of waved and having a bit of banter with them. And I can remember coming on, uh, we were 10 men, down to 10 men. And there was a free kick from 20, 25 yards. And I said to Duncan Shearer, let me, can I take it? Because I was always take free kicks. And I've hit the fucking bar. I've done the keeper with the eyes. And oh. I've, I've hit the bar and I thought, God, if that goes in. If that would have gone in, I'd have been instant hero, really. That's it, yeah. But then on the Tuesday night, um, we played Hearts, and I scored on my debut, and, and, and the fans just took to me for three years. It was just amazing, absolutely awesome. amazing. What was this? I've heard think when you played Rangers, I've heard you think you grabbed Gaz's cock. No, that was that's when I played for Bradford against Middlesbrough. Oh, was it? 
Yeah, uh, at the near post. Yeah, I've got the pictures of it. Yeah, we obviously you don't. Didn't he, you don't see. Did he literally have it out? He, he, so the second time he got it, he, he got it out. <laughs> I don't want to. I, I don't want to give too much away because I tell these stories on the afternoon circuit. But oh, right. it was just a situation where I remember the Vinnie Jones thing, and and I thought, well, and and obviously the first time I played against Paul was obviously Aberdeen Rangers, and 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 that's when there was packed houses, you know, and especially Aberdeen Rangers was a hatred, you know, supporters hated each other. After I think somebody broke the leg years ago, Aberdeen Rangers broke the leg, and it was a bad tackle. And ever ever since, the the hatred was probably worse than Rangers and Celtic for the supporters. Yeah. It was bad, but because Gascoigne was my, I know he was two years younger than me, but um, uh, two years older than me. Sorry, but I just I used to watch DVDs of Gazza and that, and you know, watching play when he was at Tottenham and I was at Hull, and I sort of had the I sort of had his sort of mannerism. You know, I always played with a smile on my face. I always used to fuck up. Yeah. I always used to mess about <laughs> on the pitch. You know, fucking if 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 supporters used to say you fat bastard, or I just get my belly out or my ass out or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and Gaza, Gaza was just my hero, and then just to actually, you know, I tell the story that I, I couldn't stop staring at him when he come out for a warm up, <laughs> and I'm thinking fucking hell. And do you know what? Every time we played Glasgow Rangers, I always had to drop in and Mark Gaza. We'd always sort of go four five one, or when we had the ball four four one one. Do you know where I played just yeah. in behind? So I'd always have to pick him up. And I remember the first time, and I'm thinking, listen, the first thing I'm going to do is just fucking try doing him. Yeah, because I thought <laughs> it, it was in the time when he was in his prime. You know what I mean? And, and I've gone to do him, and he's fucking reverse nutmeg me, and he started laughing. I just thought, wow, <laughs> <laughs> he's, this is fucking unbelievable. But we had that. We were having a chat on the pitch, we were having a laugh and a joke, and I couldn't stop staring at him. And he was going, You want to kiss me, don't you? You want to kiss me? <laughs> <laughs> and I actually fucking did, really. Do you know what I mean? Well, you're, you're good mates now, right, aren't but, you? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, as you said, I've done a few after dinner speaking with him, and obviously, then playing for Bradford against Middlesbrough, and then me going to Middlesbrough. People say, What's he, any regrets in football? Yeah, Gaz are not, not when he went to Everton and I signed for Middlesbrough. But people did he, leave, did he, leave he that left. He went to Everton when Walter was manager of Everton. He took Gaza there, and I went to Middlesbrough just after Gaza and when uh, Terry Venables signed me. But people actually say, and to be fair, it's quite a you know, people are quite right. Windus and Gascoigne in the same dressing room wouldn't have fucking gone oh. well, really. You know what I mean? Jesus, that'd have been <laughs> fucking, yeah, would have probably been locked, would have probably got locked up or something, you know yeah, I mean? because I was, was always um... pranking and he probably was as well. So. What was Brian Robson? Because Brian Robson was co-manager alongside Terry at the time. Well, it was a good move. There. It was a good move. Well, I didn't know this, but obviously that night when I when I grabbed Gaz's bollocks and cock and what have you, I we played him in the FA Cup on a Wednesday night, and it was live on Sky, and I had really, but I I played really well, and um, you know I remember um, Terry Venables. So obviously, it was a good. I didn't know this, but at the time, Brian Robson asked Gibson. If he could bring, he needed help because Middles were fourth, fourth or fifth from bottom in the in the, in the Premier League, and um, I was we we was in the Championship for for uh, for oh no we was in the Premier League for Bradford and we was sort of third from bottom, Borough we were fifth from bottom. We played, we drew him in the FA Cup. Brian had obviously got Terry in to help him because Brian's contract was running out at the end of the season, so he was going to leave at the end of the season. But he didn't want to quit till he kept him up, really. Yeah. And on that night, I, I I played really well. And I remember walking down the tunnel and we got beat 1-0. I think Christian Carnival scored a wonder goal. And uh, I remember walking down the tunnel and Terry Venables stood at the end of the tunnel and he just shook my hand and he went, he was the best player on the park tonight. So and I thought, fucking hell. I'll tell that. I'll tell, that, <laughs> I'll you know tell. I mean? yeah. And uh, three weeks later, he, he come in for me and and that's how I ended up signing for Middlesbrough. But, you know, another regret really is that, yes, he gave me a three-year contract. Yes, I played every game when under him, apart from when I fucking pulled me back out and I was supposed to make my debut against Newcastle. And me, me and Gareth Southgate were sharing uh, sharing a room at Blackwell Grange uh, in the hotel. And I went to put my bag in, in my boat and, and my fucking back came out oh, the, day, the day of the game in the morning and I, I went to the training ground, the company played me back. So I missed my debut at Newcastle. I know where I think they won the game 2 1. Alan Boxit scored two. I was sat at home watching, obviously, Soccer Saturday. And 
people are going, where's fucking Windus? He's supposed to be playing. And I, me, me back had gone out. And so, but the biggest regret for me was Terry left in the summer because after that mm. I got fit and then I played every game. I played every game and he was like, he fucking loved me and, you know, he trusted me and, you know, and I just thought, God, if this man stays here for three years, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play for this club for three years. It's a shame, really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, listen, I don't, I'm not bitter about Steve McLaren because I started under Steve when Steve, when obviously Terry left and Steve yeah. got the job. But the trouble is that it comes to a situation then where I was in the team, then I was out, then I was in, and then I found that I was on the bench and I never got on for five games, and then I thought. So I just, and because I cleaned Steve McLaren's boots as a as a as a young kid, I just <laughs> yeah. I knocked on his door and I and, and I just sort of said, look, do you know what? listen, if I'm not in your plans, I want to play football. I know I'm earning a bit of money here, but I want to play football. I don't yeah. want to just sit on the on the bench and not play. I was thirty. I signed for Borough at thirty one. I was thirty two, thirty three. He said, look, I've got a five year plan, and you know I'm not in your plans. Basically, I said, no, fair enough, no problem. And that's when I went out on loan at Sheffield Wednesday, but then I got injured again, filled my back, my back seized up. I only played two games for, for Sheffield Wednesday and then I went and then I got back fit again and then he played me against Chelsea in the FA Cup and I played really well, and but we got beat 2-1. But then he didn't play me again after that and, and then he rang me and said, uh, Gary McAllister wants you to go on loan at Coventry. I agreed to go to Coventry. Um and then Stuart McCall ran me up about two days later and said, oh, yeah, you're going to Coventry on loan. I went, yeah. And Stuart was at Sheffield United. Mm. And obviously Stuart was, was my captain at Bradford. And he says, yeah. he says, oh, Warnock wants to take you to Sheffield United. I looked at the table. I thought, well, Sheffield United is six. It's Coventry's two and a half hours from where I was living in Leeds. I thought this is 45 minutes to Sheffield again because I, I travelled to Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. And it worked. I went for the month. I scored three goals in, in that month. Um, oh sorry yeah I scored three goals in that month and then I came back and that's when McLaren played me against Chelsea I think I played a couple of games and then he left me out and then he says do you want to go to Sheffield Wednesday till the end of, uh, Sheffield night till the end of the season I said well I'm not going to be in your, getting in your team I said I might as well play and not I'm 33 I want to play and I, and I signed till the end of the season and that, and that was it what my, my Borough days was over then is what was was Warnock uh, as much as a, a tough guy? You obviously see videos of Warnock going nuts at the players. Yeah. And is is he is he is he well? I'm guessing he, he can be like that when when the lads aren't putting the shift in. I guess. Oh, he's fucking bombed out. He he he, he he's fucking. He just. He, I don't know if you've seen clips of him. I've seen clips yes. of him with yeah. with Morgan when they had to go out Morgan. Chris Morgan. Yeah. Well, I wasn't there then, but I've I've seen it. I've, but to be fair, because I. Because I'd gone on loan and I was scoring goals and I was the top earner because obviously my wages were quite high. He sort of he, he, he I was listen. I was a good pro. I, I was a great trainer. I was you know right for my career. I did the right things. I was always the fittest. I was always I, I wasn't the quickest, but I never really got beat in long distance runs. And he used to say to me, "Your attitude's different." So he, we didn't. We'd never really had a spat. Never. You know maybe. The only thing that I disagreed with him is that he'd bring me off sort of last 10, 15 minutes of games. Mm. Now, you know, if I'd not scored in that, so like normally, you know, you can score in the last minute, you know, yeah. I mean, or you can, you know, because obviously defenders are getting tired or whatever. So I don't, but he'd do it, he'd do it all the time. And I just get, I'd say, what are you bring me off for? I'll probably get the winner in the last minute. Or, do you know what I mean? Mm. But what happened with the, the playoff? He just, he just left me out. He just said, I'm going to yeah. go for Pierce. I'm going to go with Stevie Cabra and Carlos Arba. Um, yeah. And then just said, I'm not putting you on the bench as well because I'm putting Alan Kelly on the bench because he never used to put a goalkeeper on the bench. And I was absolutely devastated because I just thought, fucking hell, I've played every game. I've got I've yeah. got you to where we are. Not just me, but the club, the club got you to where we are and, you, and you've left me out. You know, and I just couldn't believe it. But listen, that, that everybody knows the story now. Is that Obviously, then he said, we tell the press you've got a groin strain and I lost my head with him and, and, and I was supposed to sign for him a year later. I I I did my contract to sign for another year. John, Johnny Johnny Andrew was my advisor and I just said to John, I can't trust him. I can't trust him anymore and I ended up going back to Bradford. It's and, it's strange how that happens, isn't it? All of us you've got you know, you've got a great relationship with the manager who's playing you and yeah. you know, you're doing the business and all of a sudden bang, just like that and he just says he's not yeah, going listen, to put you on the bench for listen, a reason. Listen, listen, listen. I don't get me wrong. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't hold grudges. I never have done in my life. You know, I've made mistakes yeah. all my life, and I don't hold grudges. And listen, Neil, Neil, 
he, he made a decision. Yeah. Uh, but for me, they got beat 3-0, they're fair enough. But for me, he left Stuart McCall on the bench as well and played uh, Mark Rankin. No disrespect to Mark, but Stuart was playing all the time. He was the experienced one. And then he brought Stuart on at half-time. I remember being in the pub watching the game and yeah. he brought Stuart on at half-time, but the game was over by then. And... But he, he ran me up. He ran me up the, the next season. I signed for Bradford in, in the championship, and he ran me up. And he said, "Look, you know, maybe I've made a bad decision. Maybe I've made a bad decision." Fair play. And um, at least he had the ball. ball no, listen, I've, like people, you say, I've spoken to Neil many, many times now, and he's even said the same thing. You know, you know, I made a bad decision. Not, I said, Neil, I don't hold any grudges. You've made a fucking decision. That's sure. And he said mm. to me, "You want to be a manager one day, and you might have to make that decision." And, and yeah. so fair play to him and what about a few spats he, he, I remember you know Sean Derry doing me against uh, for Palace when we played Hull when I went back to Hull and I remember I remember somebody Michael Bridges telling me I, um, uh, when I was on the treatment table he, he told Sean Derry to do me because I was running the show and basically saying like go fucking do him and, and to be fair Sean's done me I got about 40 stitches inside of my leg Jesus life. Christ yeah, and, and Michael Bridges come in the uh, in the treatment table when I was getting my stick when I was I had like twenty stitches inside. You could see me mm. bone. I had twenty stitches inside and twenty stitches outside, and he actually oh, he actually said, "Oh, Warnock's told fucking Derry to do you." So as I'm in, so I got stitched up. I'm in I'm on my crutches in the tunnel, and I'm threatened to fucking hit him with my fucking crutches. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Norton, that, Brian Norton, obviously was the the, the assistant manager at the time, and he was. Tra- he was just holding me back. I was going, you fucking told Derry to do me, you fucking wanker and all this and shit. <laughs> and I was just fucking waving this fucking crutch at his head, like, you know what I mean? It was like... Bloody hell. So, um, hey, listen, listen, you know, things happen and you move on and I get on with it. So, what happened with Robbie Savage? Just, to, just it was just... See, I can't really tell the story because I tell ah, it on the circuit, right, but it was just, do you know what I mean? It's one of them, listen, people have heard it before and, but it was just a dog get involved with Sav. But Sav was the most fucking wind up footballer I've ever been under. You know, and I was an. Was he that bad? Listen, was he really I, that bad? I, he was a wind up match for me. Yeah, listen, I used to listen. I used to think that oh, he's give a penalty. He's, sorry, I'm I, I'm watching Southampton. I've had a bet, and he's give a penalty to Southampton, so we could go to one up here. It's outside. It's outside. No, he's give a penalty. He's give a penalty. I've got it on it background as well. No, yeah. so anyway, so <laughs> Sav was listen, Sav, Sav was Sav was just fucking so annoying. It was unbelievable, you know. And and listen, I didn't, I hated, I hated every opposite opposite player. I wanted to win a game of football, you know. And I was a, and I was, I was a, I was a nasty, horrible man. When I listen, I'll do anything off the pitch, yeah. but once I crossed that white line, I would never go around elbowing people or break people's legs or all like that. But I would wind people up so I could get punched in the face or nip. You could do it in them days. Yeah. You can't do it now with big big brother around. But you'd stand on people's toes. You'd nip people's yeah. arms from them just to get a reaction, really. And, and Sab sucked me in. He sucked me in. He to be fair, the batter is three 0 And uh, yeah, and I, went, I went. But obviously, I can't tell you the story. So <laughs> it's obviously I get, unless you, unless you give me fifteen hundred quid, I'll I'll tell you the story. But so I've got. It's just I like do, them. I do have. Them, Something else to ask, and it's um, what's Jimmy Bullard like? Is he as nice as people say he is? He's a lovely man because he's just daft. He's just he's daft, daft he? and, and and people say, um, you know, he's such a nice guy, and you see him how he is and how he comes across, especially on like soccer and what he's doing now, and when he was like a pro and stuff, like doing the daft stuff up to the camera when they're doing the stuff for Sky Sports and that, and you just think, yeah, is, is that him full time or is he putting it on? But do, but do, no, no, he's he's. he's He's like, as you say, he's like Gaza, really. I think he, he you know, and I'm, I'm a little bit like that. I, don't, I can't keep still, man. Yeah. I like to be around people, and you know, I don't like being on my own. And and Jimmy's like that. But do you know what? What an athlete! What you know? The one thing he was a good trainer. He had so much quality. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was a situation where he was. He was just daft. He didn't. Danny and Scott get in there. So. Um, <laughs> But, but, Southampton there. Yeah, did you? <laughs> um, but listen, he, he. But the trouble is with Jimmy when he came to Hull, he, he did his knee, he, he did his cruciate mm-hmm. again, yeah. and 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 listen, all City fans absolutely de- destroyed him. Do you know, saying that you're earning that much money, which in, you know, the funny thing about it, the, the story at Cassad left then, the story had said uh, uh, that when he was signing his contract, 
obviously the press are there, aren't they? You know the lads are watching yeah. and he's doing and as you sign, well, you don't sign it, you pretend to sign it, don't you? Because you've already signed it and the press are there and yeah. blah, blah, blah. And he's, and he starts like waving the paper. And because he was there now, I think he was getting about 50 grand a week, I think he was getting. And they paid yeah. five million for him, pulled up and the chairman wanted a big signing, you know, and he was getting 50 grand a week and he shit his paper and all, all the lads were going, what are you doing? He said, I'm just making sure the fucking ink's dry. Do you know what I mean? Because he couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't believe that they offered him fifty grand. I think he was on about, I think he was on about thirty-eight grand a week at uh, at Fulham, and then he obviously went up to fifty. So Jimmy said to me, "I went, I can't fucking catch my breath when they offered me 50. So, but like you say, it wasn't his fault that he got injured. It, that things happen. But when he did play, he was the best player. He was the best player. He wasn't disciplined. He wasn't disciplined in the in the yeah. sense of defending. He just want it. It's one of them where he just go where the ball is. He wanted the ball wherever it was, and and the quality that he had was was incredible. But and fair play to him. Now he's on soccer AM yeah. and he's got a good job. And and you know when he wants to be serious, he can be serious. But it's not very yeah. often that he's fucking serious. To be quite honest, only when he's on telly or man, you know. Yeah. Could I ask you about the goal that obviously got Hull up to the up to the Premier League? Mm. Obviously, it's gone down in pretty much Hull history, hasn't yeah. it? And you can literally. Walk around the city yeah. and, and be an absolute hero yeah. for, forever and a day. Mm. I mean, how, how did that? Well, listen, listen I, I always say, you know, you know, people talk about one goal. I scored what two hundred and thirty-four goals, and, and and they talk about yeah. that one, and 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 yeah, that made me more famous than what I was really. You know, wherever I go, in in any, you know, if I go to Tenerife or Portugal or whatever, or like any city in, in England, I go, I get spotted. And it's just one of them where you know I'm, I'm scrutinised wherever I go, even now I'm retired. And, yeah. You know, it's a situation where it was a defining moment of the game. Um, you know, 39th minute. You know, I was 39 year old. I told Phil Brown that I'll score the winning goal before because in them like, listen, I was 39, so it was a situation where I couldn't play Tuesday, Saturdays, and there was me, Callum Forlan, um. Uh, Fraser Campbell, obviously. So I would play yeah. sixty minutes. If I started, I'd play sixty, sixty-five minutes, and then and then uh, and then Ke- uh, Kellum would come on. Do you know? And I'd be good to the finish going that sixty, sixty-five minutes. You know, if I come off. Yeah. But I remember him coming to me on the training ground. Obviously, Warnock telling me that I'm not playing in the final. I remember coming to me the week before the final, and and the the, the press are everywhere around, and there was that much media attention. And he, he comes walking over to me on the training ground. I thought, please don't tell me I'm not playing. And he walked over and he went, he went, I went, please don't tell me I'm, he went, oh, no, no, you're starting. You're starting. Ah. Said, but obviously, just, you know, just give me 60, 65, which you normally get. And I went, I went, don't worry about that. I said, I'll score, I'll score before I come off. I'll get that. I, on my dad's <laughs> grave, I said, I'll, I'll score the winner. And he went, he went, I fucking believe you. <laughs> And on my dad's grave, I don't know why he said it. I don't know why he said it. And I remember, obviously, you know, as you say, Roy the Rover stuff, really. And it put my, you know, my, 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 it made me more famous, really. I think that, obviously, then, you know, with, with, with you know, with, with being a local boy and, listen, uh, you know, then being made ambassador of the football club. And, and I, I, I looked yeah. at the, the Alums, which was very, very good to me, and uh, saying, you know, look, you 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 went to Aberdeen and saved the club in the nineties. I scored the winning goal at Cardiff City to keep Hull City in the Championship, and then to score the goal yeah. at Wembley. So he, he said that's why I'm making you club ambassador because I don't like the word legend. I think you know. Yes, I know legend's a different word in football, but for me, I always say it, you know the people who go to the war and they don't come home. You know they're the ones who, who are yeah. legends. I know it's a different word, mm-hmm. but it's nice to be called a legend. I get that. You know, I just you know, listen. I always turn around. I wasn't the I wasn't the, the the best player in the world. I never said I was, but I knew what I was good at. Yeah. And I always remember. I always remember every manager who I, who I worked for. Every manager, and it's no coincidence that they said, you know, if you play well, the team play well. And that was a massive respect yeah. I got really. And that was more responsibility. I took that on board. I, you know, where, wherever I played, not nothing fazed me. I was never nervous. I was a very confident kid. You know, as a as a as a six year old, took me into the age of thirty nine, forty, and 
you know, so very proud that I played for 20 years, very proud that, I, you know, probably think I was the third highest goal scorer in the Premier League under behind Teddy and, 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 and Giggsy, you know, when I scored at yeah. Portsmouth, 39-year-old. So it was a situation where I was very proud of what I did, but I was very humble, I was never big-headed. I say to Josh now, you know, and I find it now where I've had diversities in my life after football and, you know, I never... I never treated anybody differently in my lifetime when I was at the heights of my game for for the diversities because my dad said to me never close the door and never close the door on anybody never be rude to anybody because you might need them on the way down and I certainly but I've certainly yeah. learned that yeah so you've fantastic what what's the hardest what was what do you what did you find the hardest part about no longer being a professional footballer Dean what did, what was what it was, was it for you. It wasn't well. It wasn't the hard part of obviously retiring because I was I was forty when I retired. You know, I went I went to to Alden, which was a bad mistake, really. You know, Sean O'Driscoll asked me to go on loan at Donny. I, I, I looked at Doncaster and thinking the bottom of the Championship. I just turned forty. I thought, like, you know, I can't play in the Championship. Oh, I can play in the Championship because Sean O'Driscoll in them days they played the Diamond, so he wanted me to play at the top of the Diamond. Yeah. I spoke, I spoke yeah. to him, he said, look, I know you can't run as much as you can years ago, but I'll get all the young young kids who'll, you know, who'll, who'll, who'll do your running for you, basically. And um, then it was Mark Crosley, who was my best mate, who I room with at Middlesbrough. He was at Oldham as a coach and as a goalkeeper coach. He said, look, Shez wants to take you there. There was six in League One. I thought, yeah, I might be able to get him into the playoff final or whatever. Yeah. But it just didn't work out. It didn't work out. And, and at the end, listen, I wasn't enjoying training. Um, me and Shez fell out and I just said, look, let me go back to Hull. But I'd, I'd signed all the way through and then I couldn't play for Hull again because I'd been on loan till the end of the season. And then Phil just said, look, just stay at home. There's no point in you coming in training. You know, you're still getting paid, obviously, either a year left or the end of the season. And then I just said to my agent, I'm going to retire at the end of the season. But after retirement, I went with Colin Todd as assistant manager at Dar- Darlington. Yeah. You know, I was, we was yeah. only in the job for six months. It didn't really work out. Colin got the sack. I thought that I was going to, um, you know, get the job. I took all my coaching qualifications when I played. And, and unfortunately, you know, we both got sacked. And, um, you know, then that's when I came out of the game. And that was the hardest thing. Yeah. You know, the retirement wasn't because I, I, I prepared for it. Because I was thought to, I couldn't fucking carry on anymore. Your body just fucking shuts down, <laughs> really. And, you know, and I wasn't, you know, as you say, when I'm not enjoying training because I fucking love going training. I was the first there and last out at every club that was there. And, and it was one of them where I was more disappointed getting sacked from uh, Darlington as assistant manager. I thought, if I can get this job now, because Colin's left, me and Colin had a great relationship as my manager at Bradford. He asked me to go in. Yeah. I went as a player coach, but that, you know, fizzled out a little bit. And, and he just... You know, I was more gutted that at that that I'd been, you know, fucked off from there really. Mm. And then another... who was in charge at Dal? Was it George Reynolds? No, it was uh, Raj Singh. Oh, Raj gone? Singh. Oh, I was yeah. a, I was a mad yeah. Middlesbrough fan, so I got on well with Raj. I used to go out drinking with him, and yeah. And unfortunately, then he we both went, and Steve Stoughton then got the job, and and I never got back in then. I never got back in football, and and till this day, till I'm talking to you, I apply for jobs, you know, which I think, you know, I think I've applied for the Grimsby job three times. You know, and Rochdale yeah. job, and play. so it's one of them where listen, once you get in, and then it's up to you. But I found it very difficult, obviously, with the, the diversities in my life as well, has not helped me. Um, but now I've got myself back on on track, and I'm, you know, I'm getting married 2022 to Kerry, my missus. So my life's changed again yeah. now, and I'm, I'm doing the right things. And uh, but unfortunately, you know, you haven't got the divine right to get a job because you've played. Yeah, eight hundred league games and scored so many, so many goals. It's not it done well like that, you know. So very, you know, very pleased the way I I finished my career, but you know, disappointing that I I never got an opportunity to get coach, you know, do a manager's job. So before before we kind of wrap it up, I, again, thanks thanks yeah. for your time. I just want to no, I just no. want to touch quickly on your Twitter. So you yeah. you do a video every day on Twitter, and you you yeah. you talk about mental health and how what helps yeah. you. To help other people, do you yeah. find do you find that the videos that you do helps you just as much as it helps everybody else? Eighty percent, massively. Now, when I had diversities in my life and I had a fucking bad time, and massively, obviously, a lot of things happened. 
you know, for me on, I, I'm bringing out another autobiography now, and you know, life after Dean or life after football, and and I and I'm listen, I'm the most honest man you could ever meet now. You know, my missus trusts me. I've got everything I've you know wanted again, and you know, it's a situation where everything that happened to me in my life was through drink. Right. You know, I lost, I lost, you know, my marriage through drink. Um, I lost my ambassador role through drink. I lost my license through drink. Um, and I decided, you know, yeah, I, I was on my own for three months. I nearly went down the road of trying to set me on life again. I was thinking about it because I just thought I've got nothing. Financially, I had, you know, I got hit hit bad with the divorce. And, and at the end of the day, I just didn't want to wake up in the morning. I was drinking heavily again. And then and then my life changed, meeting Kerry. Uh, I moved in with my mate after three months. And it was Vinnie Jones, you know, obviously lost Tanya. And Piers Morgan mm. said to, to, to Jonesy, how do you get on with your life now without your wife? And he says, the first thing I do is get up in the morning and I make my bed. Wow. And and I and I actually just started crying. I just thought, wow. You know, this man's lost his fucking best friend and his wife and and he's still getting on with life. And Vinnie obviously was eight years in you know, sobriety, stopped drinking, mm. you know, and all of a sudden I thought, this is the only way I'm going to change my life around is stop drinking, get out of bed in the morning and make me bed okay. I say I put my pillars on top. But the, mor- the moral of the story was you've got to get out of bed to, to make your bed, you can't. But I'd lay in bed with a hangover, feeling sorry for myself, anxiety, panic attacks. Yeah. And I just don't, I just didn't want to be alive anymore. And then that summit just... Yeah. Dean, Dean, could, could, could I ask yeah. you, so... When you were going through this, this the worst stages in you, did you did you speak to people no. or did you or did, was it all kind of buried? No, I, 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 as you said, everybody knows my story is that I, I suffered as a kid when my mum and dad got divorced at the age of twelve. Mm. I, I really, really struggled, and and, and you know, listen, I, I tell it in me first autobiography. I used to pee the bed every time I used to have a drink. I remember going on Good Morning Britain, I think, talking about when I brought me on to bed. You know that I'm drinking, I'm playing songs that my dad like Elvis and all these old songs that I used to I used to listen to, crying, pee in the bed, not waking up, didn't even know I'd paid the bed. And and I massively struggled because of my mum and dad getting divorced at the age of twelve. And that ferreted right through my life really. You know, I remember going to training and people would be because I was the life and soul of every change room. Players used to say what's up with Dean today and I used to just just didn't say out to anybody. I just, you know, They'd say, ah, oh, he's, he's arguing yeah. with his wife or fucking, is it? But I'd always find it very, very difficult to, to open up and talk to people because I'd just, I'd just cry, and especially when my dad passing away was the icing on the cake for me, tried to take me on life twice, stupid. But I would, uh, people say, I would, well, I was, I was that drunk, I didn't have the balls to do it sober, and I can't really remember what I was doing, drinking. Listen, I was waking up at half past ten in the morning drinking fucking bottles of wine. Is it? You know, I... It was just, and then uh, obviously, then going to rehab saved my life really. Rehab and Southampton's one, so that's just saved my life. Um, <laughs> Is but just going, just going to, just going to rehab, and obviously then making that decision. You know, it was Ian Ashby knocked on my door one day, and he, you know, I was I was with a young girl at the time, and I, I shouldn't have been. She was twenty years younger than me, and she was about. I think she was about 23, 24. And, I, and it was a situation where my life was going nowhere. And I was, and I just told this girl to get out and then tried taking tablets and drinking. And, and it was a situation where Ian Ashby said, look, you fucking need help. You need help, mate. You need, you need help. And he knew Clark Carlisle, obviously. He was mm. PFA representative yeah. at the time. And um, it was a situation where I rang, I rang Clark up. He rang Sporting Chance up. I went in for, you know, I, I, I know it sounds rep- re- repetitive, but I went in. Uh, I went in for an interview, and James West, my, my psychotherapist, I couldn't even speak, mate. It's not coming out my nose. Couldn't stop crying. He said, "You need to come in." Yeah. You know, in the next couple of weeks, they, yeah. they, they brought another four lads in. So he was living in a house with three other, other, um, three other sports people. And it was the it was listen the hardest twenty six days of my life, but it was the best twenty six days because it it stood me in good stead really. And don't get me wrong, yeah, I went through it again when I when I uh, when I sort of when I you know sort of sorted myself out. 
I went down that road again and then obviously Kerry might trot me mate who put me up basically um, then I stopped drinking during the week and then now I don't drink during the week I have a beer on the weekend I, I can cope with it I went right through November not having a drink mm, and then I started doing the videos like you go back to your videos and I started and then one yeah. morning I just says I'm an 8 hour 10 today Do you know I've made my bed and I've put my pillars on top and then people, and then reaction I got was yeah. fucking unbelievable. I just thought, what's going on here? Is there, is radio stations, I love radio it, I love stations it. are ringing me up and going, do you know what's this all about? And I said, look, the moral of the story is you've got to get out of it to, to make it. Don't wallow, don't wallow in self-pity. Is there any... you know, I can't remember waking up with a fucking hangover for, for, for years now. Is there anything you would say, like specifically to anybody out there that's struggling, is there anything that you would say as, a, as advice? To anybody that doesn't want to come forward, or maybe he's not look, like wanting some help, what what would you say to them to kind of maybe help them? Listen, it's for everybody's the, the hardest thing is that you know people direct message me on Twitter, and and and, and I'm not a counsellor, and I'm not a doctor, I'm yeah. not a psychotherapist. Appreciate you know, that. I'm a, I'm a I'm a sufferer, and and it's just they say everybody's different. Mm. Everybody's got different values. Everybody's got different views of life. All I try just doing is just listen. It's one of them, the old fashioned saying, it's good to talk. Yeah. You know, the answering at the bottom of a fucking glass. Because um, the problem's always going to be there next day. Yeah. Um, so drink, 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 drinks, drinks, drinks the evil, you know, in a sense. Don't get me wrong. I never got, I never got classed as an alcoholic, but I got classed as alcohol dependent. Yeah. So when I was down, I was having a drink because I just wanted to fucking the pain to go away. But the pain was there next day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was a situation where I just tried, just tried telling people, please, just please. I know it's hard. I know it's very hard that you know, and it's a match. Not just not just men, but for ladies as well. It's not. It's probably more men than ladies because I always say that women are more stronger than men mentally. Mm. Do you know the good talkers, the good listeners, but men are because that alpha male. That you know, oh, I'm an hard bastard on the pitch. <laughs> you know, people say, God, you was hard. You was hard on the pitch. You know, my dad used to say to me, nobody can hurt you when you're on the pitch. Nobody can touch you. Yeah. So you can be the hard, you could be the windiest bastard on the street, but you could be the hardest man on the pitch because nobody's going to hurt you. Yes, somebody will kick you. Somebody will tackle you hard or somebody will, you might get, you might get elbowed in the face or what, but it's only going to hurt once and don't show people that you hurt. Yeah. So, so that was, yeah, but the hardest thing is, He's, he's been brave by coming out and saying, look, I'm in trouble here. I need help. I need help. And, it, and it's it, it's harder for some people. I've got, a, like, uh, I don't know if you saw me tweet the other day that this gentleman saying that he's lost his daughter and he's not been out yeah. for three or four days and, and he'd, he'd seen my video and, and he went to the grave and spoke to his daughter. Well, I was fucking in floods of tears. Wow, that's incredible. On, this, te- on yeah. this text. And then I just direct messaged this lad back going, Go again tomorrow to go for a walk, get out, get fresh air. Mark Crosley's doing the same. Yeah. Me and Mark are doing it for this. Obviously, walking's brilliant where we're doing this watch for Kilimanjaro, yeah. which we can't do at the minute, obviously, with with, uh, with COVID. Mm. But it's just a situation where Mark Crosley bounced off me going, God, Dane, I'm watching your video. Yeah. And then I, and then because he was, he was going for a bad time, he was, he was a bit down. Then he started walking. So then all of a sudden, he went, he's, I said, he started doing videos. Do you know, saying, no, oh, I'm good. Do you know, get out for a walk, especially people with financial difficulties. It doesn't cost anything to go for a walk. No, it doesn't, no. Yeah, you know, and no. that's the that's the it, that's the message we try to get across. It's not for everybody. I'm not trying to patronize people, I'm not trying to be clever. If you wanna if you wanna listen to my advice, brilliant. If yeah. you don't, no problem, mate. Thanks, Dean. He's just a, trying to get that message a, out. Really. It is a massive insight. Guys, if you want to go and follow Dean on Twitter, it's at D Windass. I'll just type in Dean Windass into the search bar. Um, Dean, yeah. can I just quickly, quickly say after watch, watching your videos, and they bring a lot of joy in, and on, on them as well. You're there singing some old classics as well, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how many how many views I get when I'm singing. You know, I, I did I did one this morning with a burger van, you know, and uh, whatever, and I think I got, I think I got about <laughs> eight eight and a half thousand views, and then. When I sang the other day, I had those fucking, I think there was about 20, 29. That rhinestone cowboy. Yeah, rhinestone cowboy. I even <laughs> got the fucking words wrong. So it was just like, but listen, it's like that where 
I, I'm going to start, as you say, listen, it's hard because you wake up on a Monday morning and people are down and don't. But the trouble is, the only one thing about it, though, is that I talk the way I'm feeling. So if I'm yeah. feeling down, I like I say to people, I'm a 5 out of 10 today, or I'm, a, or I'm an 8 out of 10, or I'm a 9 out of 10, or what. I do my videos the way I'm, I'm feeling today. So if I wake up and I'm feeling down, I'll say to Kerry, look, do you know what daft as it seems? You might have a bad dream. Mm. And you wake up and you're upset because you've had a bad dream. Yeah. And you think to yourself, fucking hell, I'm, I'm not feeling too clever today. Yeah. And I'll say to Kerry, and I'll probably start crying. And I'll probably say, do you know what? I had a bad dream last night and start fucking crying. Or I'll think about my dad or, or, or you know, anything. So what I do on my video, I Share tell that. people how I'm feeling on that day. So if I'm not feeling great, I'll say, look, you know what? I'm not feeling so great today, but I'm not going to go for a drink. Yeah. That's the worst thing you can fucking do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because I actually would wake up at half 11 and think, right, I'll get a shower at quarter 12. I'll go up to my mate's pub at 12 o'clock. I'll have 10 pints. I'll come home. I won't eat out. Go to sleep. Wake up again at half fucking 10, quarter to 11. Wait till half 11. Go to the pub again. Because the, the, the one thing about it was I, I, I didn't want to be on my own. And I thought if I'm in pub, yeah, if I'm in get, pub, then yeah. people I won't tell people what I'm feeling in the pub because you, you you're lying, you're lying to yourself. Do you know what it's I mean? A, it's a vicious, it's a vicious cycle as well when you get into that, and it's hard to crack out of it, isn't it? When you you, you get used to that routine of going to the horrible. pub, and, and yeah, it's good at the time. Well, you think yeah. it's good at the time. Do you know what I mean? But then, you know, but yeah. now you look back, now you look back at it, and you you know, like yeah, me me and my missus had a drink. You know, yesterday I had a good drink yesterday. But I don't even dream about having a drink today. No. Do you know? Yeah. Do you know? It's just one of them situations where I'd wake up and I'm thinking, I can't wait to get back on it. Because I didn't want to feel fucking shit. Do you know what I mean? I didn't yeah. want to have an hangover. Yeah. So they got they call it that area of the dog. Well, it, I, I guarantee you it works, but it's not fucking good for you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But hey, listen, yeah. we all live and learn. We all make mistakes. And I'm honest about my mistakes. And obviously, with my book coming out, you know, hopefully. Uh, whoever reads, whoever reads it, and they, they, they are, you know, obviously, you know, with mental health problems, it, it might, it might help, it might help folk. I don't know, but I always say, if it saves one person's life, then you, then, then it helps, doesn't it? That's yeah. my opinion. No, thanks, thanks for sharing, that, especially that. You know, it means a lot. And like I said before, no you know, worries, to to watch these videos, get yourself on Twitter, guys, at D Windass, or just type in Dean Windass and kind of. And have a look. Um, I just want to finish with a couple of things. Um, we always ask our yeah. guests a couple of questions. Um, yes. So I will lead first, and I'll ask you what your favourite takeaway is. Um, oh, Indian, Indian, mm. Indian, and um, Sean. So Saturday morning, you're getting up. The missus has cooked you a nice sausage and, and bacon bap. You're reaching for the red sauce or the brown sauce. Brown. Oh, See, I'm, we're getting a lot of that. Brown sauce, good man. A lot of browns. Yeah. A lot of brown sauce, loving. Um, brown sauce on bacon, brown sauce on sausages, brown sauce on gravy. Brown sauce on gravy. <laughs> oh, not oh, yeah. ah, no, not for me. No, Northern boys love gravy. Northern though. boys love gravy. <laughs> um, and the last one is <laughs> pineapple on a pizza or not? Never. Never. Oh, you're disappointed. <laughs> it's like fucking Marmite or fucking peanut butter or all that shit. No, 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 no. No, no. And to be fair, when I have pizzas, I because obviously I always used to, I was never ever fat as a footballer, no. but I always used to fight my weight. You know, I, I was always, I was always, my body fat was always good in that, but I always looked, I always looked a fat bastard. They always just called me fat bastard. Right? So what, what uh, Danny Calamari said to me at Bradford, he said, if you ever want to have pizzas, whatever, Get spicy pizzas. I can't even say it. Is it jalapenos or jalapenos? Jalapenos, yeah. Well, I can't even fucking. Yeah. I can't even say it. So, and you used to go get the spiciest pizza because obviously the good fat burners. Yeah. So I go all right, Thermic, all right. And so yeah, like when I, food. When, yeah. So when I get a curry, I get a you know my curry is obviously um uh oh uh, garlic chick garlic chicken curry hot wow. garlic chicken curry. Yeah. Wow. So next morning you can imagine what my pot's like the next morning. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but same, same with pizza. So when I do when I do eat a when I do eat a spicy pizza and that, you know, I don't feel so gilly. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Look, Dean, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, um, and it's been no a really, a really eye opener into into no, a, cheers, you know, a lot of your career and some of the stories are brilliant, and I'm sure that 
um, the more speaking you do, the more them stories will get out. So, um, thank you very much for your well, time. Well, hopefully, as you say, now we're back. You know, now hopefully now the vaccine's out and we get back after dinner speaking and that, and you know, life can get back to normal because it's it's been tough for all of us, not just people mental health. I think it's been tough yeah, for everybody. Yeah. You know, my missus has got her own yeah. beauty salon and. You know, she's suffered in a sense, you know, with it all. So, listen, it's been a poor year, you know, 2020, but we're healthy and and that's the main, really. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you very much for your time. No, Look after yourself. No. Cheers, boys. Thanks Thank you very mate. much. Speak Thank to you, you soon. Much. Bye.